And I remember playing hockey and kind of like watching players through that one little rectangle and then like blinking my eyes, pretending to like take a picture at like the perfect moment. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 42nd episode of the Cloud Machine Podcast, we're here with Meg Moon. Throughout the podcast, we discuss her recent success, her origin story, creating for social media, concert photography, being on the road, the Beaches Blame My Ex tour, and much more. We also play the Dream Fest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. For those who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the industry and its stakeholders, meaning everybody that works in it, lives it, loves it, and surrounds it. Our goal is to shine light on roles, people, and realities of the music industry that are often forgotten or taken for granted. Whether you're someone that's dreaming about making a movie in in the industry, have some songs recorded, and don't know what to do with them, or just a listener that wants to learn more, you're at the right place. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming Meg Moon to the podcast. We're colleagues uh, on this Blame My Ex tour uh, for the beaches. We are currently in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is... um, which is wild. She is a Toronto-based photographer, illustrator, director, visual artist, bookmaker, and designer. Graduating from OCAD University with a BFA in publications in 2020, she enjoys using her multidisciplinary skills to make her work stand out from the rest. Meg aims to use bright, vivid colors, strong shapes, playful designs, and lighting to capture and enhance a moment in time, no matter the medium. Hi, Meg. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good, Matt. Two days off yes. has really <laughs> has done wonders for me. That was early. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Um, yes, the two days off has has been great. We have been watching. We are currently in the middle of watch uh, of doing the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh yeah. Um, in uh, we're at the beginning of the two towers yeah um, it's been a treat it's been great um let's start off with the, the the pod like we always start the pod with your favorite live show experience ever as a fan do you as have one that you, that's like it's, i do it's, yeah okay. i definitely do um I, it was my first concert ever i believe my dad uh had a friend who's doing lighting for avril Levine. i was in fifth grade <laughs> okay yep and uh, so we got backstage passes so we got to like go before the show I got to like go in her closet and like see how everything was like working before the show I got to see her do sound check and this was like my first concert ever so I was just I was mind blown <laughs> um and yeah yeah that was just a very very unique experience yeah. and also very full circle because the beaches just toured with her last year um, yeah and I was like right in the pit and I brought my like little camera and was taking photos of her so it's also like the first concert photography I ever did I was like in fifth grade that's great which is really fun were you, I'm guessing you were a fan before that oh, concert. Yeah. Oh yeah, huge. Okay, okay. huge Avril fan. Of course, she was like the it girl. Of yeah, yeah. Fifth grade. So. And where was this? Where was this concert? Uh, Minneapolis. Ooh. Yeah. We'll get into the origin story later. Yeah. But do you have a highlight, uh, like a project as a director, photographer, visual artist that sort mm-hmm. of stands out for you as as your favorite experience so far? Yeah. Um. I think one of my favorites, other than working with the beaches and the girls, like in general, as a whole, this mm-hmm. past year, I think one of my favorites was last fall, I got to work with Erica Hill and her girlfriend Shay, and we shot for Playboy for a Halloween shoot, um, and they wanted a unique location, and so I sent Erica like a mood board, and I was like, do you know anyone with a house like this? And we ended up shooting in her grandmother's house, which was just like <laughs> straight out of the 80s, so here's like Erica and her girlfriend dressed in like Playboy gear, and they're like, "Grandma, like, stay in the living room, like, don't come in." Um, and it was just like really fun, and they're like really great to work with. And then Playboy loved the photos, and they were just going to use it for social media, and it ended up being like all over their website and all over their page. So wow. it was really fun. Yeah, very cool. Um, going into Erica Badu's quote, um, the quote is, "Music and music business are two different things." Now, for you, I don't want to just have it be like a music thing, so. Like just art and art business are two mm-hmm. different things. What what is your first instinct when you read this? When I sent you this script, yeah. <laughs> um, wh- what were your first instincts when you just saw that quote? Um, yes, yes, yeah. very very different things for me. Um, obviously, I've always been an art lover, but I think I've always been like a business person first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always yeah. the kid who um, I think in fourth or like fifth grade, I had like a box of 
different strings and I would make people like custom friendship bracelets and I'd like sell them for like three bucks and I'd like I created like a whole little business model for it and um, I started my photography business very young when I was like 14. Um, I've always wanted to run my own business and my parents were always like very encouraging of that. So yeah, um, yeah I, I love the business aspect of it even when I was I was a florist and a gardener and I kind of ran that side of the business. So um, I've always wanted to just like do my own thing mm-hmm. um, but I've always been interested in the arts. So um yeah, very different things, but I'm glad I get to do them both. Yeah, you were telling me the other day that when you were 14, or you're, even before you went to university here in Canada, mm-hmm. you were saying that your parents were skeptical because you already had a business and being yes. su- you were you were successful in Minneapolis. Yeah, well, not Minneapolis. Or, sorry, I'm in... Yeah, I'm from, like, a little town, um, and I feel like in very small towns, people are very supportive, and, like, everyone knows everybody. So, yeah, I had a successful business when I was, like, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Um. I was, like, basically living off of that income when I would, like, shoot in the summer. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just got tired of it, though, because it was just the same lifestyle stuff, same barn, same field. Um, and I just wanted to try something different and also get out of my small town. So yeah, I yeah. knew I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to expand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is how the business part viewed on your things, like, even just now? Like, okay, we're, we're on the road right now. Yeah um with friends you know it's like yeah. it's like a it's like a very like summer camp thing right now but we're very. still working yes yep. we're, it's still a business situation how are you handling both like work and then and work and it, play work and play yeah. yeah sure um i it's definitely been a learning curve this is like the longest i've been away um and usually when i'm home you know i just work from home and i have the time to like sit down with wi-fi yeah and just like get all my invoices and stuff like that done um I I don't know. I, I think I just take it day by day, um, like, when I have the space to, you know, post and advertise and get things like that done, I do. But uh, honestly, for the most part, I'm, like, really trying to just enjoy my time on tour right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, this past month, I worked really hard to get all my editing from the summer done and all, everything like that so that I can just kind of enjoy my time and the experience. Totally. Um, yeah, while also getting all the business stuff done. Are there things that you can do from from like from like a remote wise? Like I know I can do a couple things like from the road. Yeah, it's harder. Yeah, but yeah. Are there things that you you can still do like go get clients through Instagram or something like that, or like do like editing like like you were saying? Like, oh, are there things yeah. that are easier than others? Yeah, like editing on the road is like much easier. It's I almost prefer it to being home because then I just sit in the back of the bus or in the front with everyone and I just like sit down and I have one space to get all my editing and stuff like that done. So it's kind of nice being stuck to in like a little bus. It's like, what yeah, else yeah. am I going to do? And you um, can't go like, you can't go outside or you can't like, you, there, there are less distractions almost yeah. on the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. when I've been like on the road, I've gotten lots of inquiries and DMs and yeah. like to work with me and I'm like, I'm going to be gone for the next like month or so, but like hit me up in the new year. And I just kind of, like, take their information down and yeah. I'll, like, circle back to it. So, yeah, it, I like the bus. It gives me, like, time to sit and do the things I need to do. Like, I often stay up working pretty late. Yeah. After yeah, I've had very my fun. Late. Yeah, very, very late. Like, <laughs> 7 a.m. kind of late. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, usually just, like, editing TikTok videos and sorting through my stuff and mm-hmm. getting all that done. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is more, like, of a music business uh, pod, um, I love to talk about... The intersectionality of, of music and the film photography business, mm-hmm. um, where do you see it intersecting and how does one, I mean, in my opinion, one does not live without the other anymore. Um, yeah. Where are you at with that? I, I, w- I would completely agree, especially in the day and age we're kind of living in. Um, like you can only really do so much to advertise yourself once you get to a certain point and you get mm-hmm. like very busy. And I think photographers and videographers in the music industry are very important because you're capturing the music and these people and you're kind of controlling how the public is going to see them uh, in, on social media. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think it's a pretty important job because the way you capture them is the way that people are going to perceive them. Mm. Um, and that has to do with, like, magazine covers and social media and TikTok and, and all of that. But uh, I think it's extremely extremely tied together at this point yeah on for for the for the cloud machine historians i don't think we have any yet but for those who were here since the beginning our second episode was with becca hamill um who's yeah who's also a concert photographer and an artist in her own sort of 
thing. We, yes. we spoke specifically about um, how because because of live photographers, it's like it's 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 almost like if there was no documentation, did it really happen? In like yeah. 2023, it's like okay, if we didn't post on social media, your 260 thousand followers that the beaches have, or whatever, whatever it is, I don't know yeah. exactly what the number is. Um, like, okay, I'm at, we just did the Massey Hall. It's it was like three thousand, almost three thousand a night. Yeah, it's like okay, you're catering to those three thousand people in the room, which is great, but those 200 thousand people on Instagram yeah. also want to see a, a like a. Not a, not necessarily a, an experience, but a product. Yeah, yeah. From that night. Yeah. How then, do you feel about that? Um, <laughs> I, I think it makes sense because you always kind of yeah. like wonder what goes on behind the scenes. Like before I got into this industry, yeah. and I'm like, I'm quite new to this industry as well. And um, you always wonder like what really goes on behind the scenes. And mm, so I think it's yeah. um, I've always appreciated when musicians have kind of shared those photos and videos of what goes on. Um, because I've always been very curious. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think also just having an experience to share with people outside of the crowd that was actually there that night is really cool too, because then you have all these people that want to celebrate with you, even if they weren't there. Yeah. Do you feel responsible like for that? Yeah. Like that connection between like the, the artists and their fans on social sometimes? Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. I, I take my job very seriously in that yes, way. Yes, yeah. Because... Um, yeah, social media can be scary. People can be mean. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, you you just want to make sure that these people are perceived in the best way possible, especially when you know them and you know that they deserve all the success in the world. Like mm. I want to be able to document everything that they have done well so that other people can be just, a, just as excited as myself and them about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We'll, we'll get into the whole, like, Beecher's relationship and, like, the whole, like, their socials later. Yeah. Um, but getting into the origin story now. So, oh yeah. Where did you grow up exactly? What's 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 so what's the what's the town? The town is called Princeton. It's okay. a town. I think when I grew up there, it was like forty five hundred, five thousand people. Wow. Two stoplights. Um, it's about like an hour from an hour north of Minneapolis. Yeah. So very small, small little farm town. Very Trumpy, all of that. <laughs> okay. Fun, okay. fun stuff. <laughs> wow. Okay. So how how was how was growing up there and like creative like your creative upbringing in that small town were your parents creative are they still creative any siblings kind of thing um yeah I I, I gotta give a lot of credit to my mom it's mm-hmm. not it was not a creative town I think without my mom I would not be the creative I am today um she was a stay-at-home mom and you know we didn't have cable we didn't have a lot of money so yeah. she would get creative and um, she's very crafty. She also was, like, a home painter for a while. So my room was always painted with these, like, crazy murals. Like, at one point, I had a giant moon painted in my room, which is funny because now I kind of go by Meg Moon. Yeah. Um, and at one point, it was a big fairy garden. And, um, yeah, she was always just giving us all different kinds of crafts and things to do. And I, I think that's also why I'm so multidisciplinary. Yeah. Um, on top of her having ADHD and me having ADHD, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> when you're left with like nothing to your devices other than nature and crafts, you mm-hmm. build a pretty strong imagination. And she really helped form that for me. Yeah. What were your, in, in that situation where, okay, maybe, maybe you didn't have cable like a lot of other kids. Yeah. Um, and we grew up in a time where social media wasn't, or at all present. Yeah. Um, wh- what were your creative influences in those early times? In those early times, um, I, I, th- I think just like my mom, like really pushing me to try everything. They saw something yeah. in me. I mean, ever since I was like a kid, my mom like did those little question books every year and it would always ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. And it would always from like four years old, be artist. And then when I was seven, I wrote photographer specifically. Um, and so I, I'll never forget them leaving me uh, a point and shoot film camera when they went on vacation. And I vividly remember taking photos on that. I thought that was so fun. And then uh, my mom had her own little camera to document our lives and she would give it to me and just let me go wild. I have so many photos of my sisters in um, our like front wild flower field. And um, I, yeah, I have the most kind of insane photos um, from that time, which is really cool. Yeah. Was that point and shoot gifted to you before you were seven? Um, I think I think it was 
Yeah, probably before I was really, really, really young. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I hardly remember taking photos on it. And when I look at the photos, my sisters are like babies. So it, it's crazy how vividly I remember it. But it was, a, yeah, before I was seven. So I think that influenced me. Yeah. So you wrote photographer in the book after you got the point shoot, after yeah. you were experimenting yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Great. yeah. That's great. And I remember like playing hockey and the like hockey mask has like grids on it. And there's yeah. one right in the middle that wasn't a square. It was like a rectangle. And I remember playing hockey and kind of like watching players through that one little rectangle and then like blinking my eyes, pretending to like take a picture at like the perfect moment. I wasn't very <laughs> good at awesome. hockey. <laughs> I was too focused on other things. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about like, uh, what about like school and stuff? Like, was it, was it a creative like, like high like high school, um, even elementary school? Like, was it like? I don't think so. I don't think the arts were like very funded in a mm, town like that. Sure. But um, I was very into theater, and yeah. um, my mom and I would pretty much build and, and like paint the entire musical sets every year. Um, so she would be there all day while I was at school, and then whenever I had like a lunch break or a lull in class, uh, they would let me go and like help my mom paint the entire like theater set with, with her, which was like really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Were there anything like, were there any like theater productions in your hometown? Did, did like, were, were there bands playing festivals in the summertime? Like, what was it like in, um, Um, it was, it was no bands, no bands, no bands. I, I think if my town had, I think there was maybe like one band, but they were more like, screamo rock sure, 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 four sure, dudes sure. in my high school um there was definitely no music scene like no bands like that i think if i yeah. had been exposed to that i may have gotten a, a lot more into that like i didn't grow up going to like many shows and stuff because it just right. wasn't there mm-hmm. um so i really wish there was more of that so it was just a lot of musical theater i was a big choir kid yeah, and yeah theater yeah, yeah. kid so just lots of musicals and performances like that yeah what, what were the what was the kind of music that was like playing in your home in my home growing up yeah um a lot of elvis okay yeah yeah that's great yeah my mom my grandmother and my mom love elvis i think uh growing up uh in the car it would just be like listening to elvis's hits and the chicago (laughs) soundtrack also yeah that's great yeah we we oh my gosh we i grew up in a a very like musical theater household my brother being a huge musical theater oh, kid, yep. and Chicago was was definitely on uh, spinning. Hamilton in the last years, oh yeah, were huge. All I, I mean, so many musicals and yeah. Elvis too, especially the Elvis uh, Christmas compilation. Oh, I don't yes. know, every year, it's yep. so great. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. Um, what so going now? Pat, almost a little bit past high school. What was the big decision? What was the big decision like to move to Canada to sort of pursue your post-secondary okay yeah so i mean my dream was always to go to california i really wanted to go to california yeah. for art school um but then i remembered i could become a dual citizen because my dad's from canada yes and i had visited my uncles who live in toronto when i was 15 and um i visited them and i it's, it's something like clicked and i remember telling myself i'm like i want to live here one day like i want what you guys have my uncle is a owns a flower shop and then his partner um is a furniture designer Mm. and so i think there's something on top of being like a closeted queer kid in a very small town yeah visiting your queer uncles who are in the arts just like living the life in a cool city like i immediately was like wait 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 (laughs) i could have this like this could be my life too yeah yeah okay let me let me work on that um so applied for canadian citizenship because five years of school in Toronto as a citizen would have been like one year of school in California. That's right. Without a state tuition. So really that was a big one. And then my uncles as well. So I lived with them first year. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and you've been saying that with Pascal Blaze that you've also, you also worked at their flower shop. Is that a thing? I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So That's my great. one uncle that owns a flower shop, I started working there when I moved there and then uh, school got very busy. So I ended up working at a sandwich shop uh, for a little bit instead and then after school I started working for him again and mm-hmm. running more of the gardening side of the business and doing florals I, I still miss making flower arrangements it's really fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> going back to OCAD um, what was that like did you like your school experience oh I have mixed feelings about that sure school was going to university was really hard for me especially at first I think 
not having the best education where yeah. I grew up, I just felt like so unprepared. And like so many kids there grew up uh, going to like art high schools. And I, yeah. where I excelled so much in my hometown because there was no arts really. Um, like I was the artistic one in the school. Like I was, you know, excelling in that. And then to go to OCAD and just be like, oh, like I, I don't know shit. Like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was really like knocked on on my ass and um it really was a, an awakening for sure. I almost dropped out a few times. Yeah. Um my friends really helped me through that. I think I like I never even had to study in high school. So I had to learn how to study. I had to learn how to write a paper. And like listen, I'm smart, but you have to kind of like learn that stuff before you go into that. So it was really tough. But once I got the hang of it, once I learned how to study, mm-hmm. I really really loved it, especially in like third to fifth year. They really start giving you a lot more control on the projects you want to do. Right. And that's when I really started to thrive. And mm-hmm. I think by the end of school, I was kind of sad that it was ending because I feel like I finally got the hang of it. Right. And um, but then it was over. But that's okay. I, I still wouldn't go back. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely, I learned a lot. I, I um, had gotten tired of doing photography, so I did publications. So I learned. That's right. Yeah, graphic design, printmaking, illustration, mm-hmm. um, bookmaking. I, I just did everything I could like get my hands on, which I think really expanded my mind. And I don't, for me, I didn't really go to school for the degree. I went to like learn and build taste. And I think building taste is so, so important and exposing yourself to other mediums Mm -hmm. as well. I can relate to almost everything you were saying in regards to growing up in a small community, not necessarily having to study in high school and now Mm -hmm. getting to uh, a bigger city where, all these people went to arts high schools yeah. and had like guitar class during the day. Like that's true. That's why yeah. like, like choir or like uh, orchestra stuff during the day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it sort of blew my mind. Yeah. Um, just how well um, specifically Southern Ontario was funded for, for the arts. Yeah. Um, I also went to school for not necessarily what I do as a career, but something that I could sort of build off of to help my career. Yes. My next question is, how has has photography, just your passion for photography and your degree in just publication, mm-hmm. how has that sort of coexisted together and how has it actually helped sort of your career now? Yeah. And when did you realize that? Because I realized that sort of in school mm-hmm. that it would like my that my creative business degree would help my music, my, my, my music career. Um, where was your sort of enlightening moment for that? Um, honestly, I think after school, yeah. um, I think I got like really lost in university cause I, I truly had given up photography. Right. Um, okay. I just didn't think I had what it took after like getting to OCAD. I'm like, whoa, these people are just way beyond me. Like, I, I don't know. Let me right. try something else. I thought I wanted to be an illustrator for a bit. I thought I wanted to be a designer for a bit. I, I went through so much. I even at one point just thought I was going to take over the flower business. Um, so yeah, I definitely just kind of like gave up for a little bit. Um, but then once I finished school, I was working at the flower shop still, but um, I kind of burned out doing all my other mediums because of thesis and everything. Yeah. So I started dabbling in photography again. And then I kind of realized, I was like, wait a minute, I can take all the styles and interests I took and everything else and put that into my photography work now. Like I can really play with color and lights mm-hmm. and... Um, it, it really just, I, yeah, just, it all clicked yeah, after that. Yeah. And then I just went insane that summer. I just shot with <laughs> as many people as I possibly could, just like mm-hmm. very DIY stuff. But I was just, it, it all just like came back to me, that like same fire and same passion for it that yeah. I had kind of lost in school and honestly was too busy to even think about in school because I was doing, I worked like two jobs while being in school as well. So it yeah. was just like, didn't even have time to play with that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it, it helps me so much having that degree, um, especially when I'm doing shoots for, like, magazines and, yeah. and spreads and things like that because, like, I've made books, I've made spreads. I know, like, exactly what they're kind of looking for and what formats to do. So um, I, I think it's really nice to be able to do different aspects of the job as well. Yeah. Let's get into your uh, creative process here. Um, how do you typically begin the creative process for a visual project? Can you walk us through the process of collaborating with artists or musicians to develop a, a concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I mostly work with musicians at this point, mm-hmm. which is fun. 
And the first thing I always do is if it's a new song, I ask them to send it to me. Um, and if there's not a new song, then I just, I listen to their music or their song and I just sit somewhere and I just close my eyes and then I just listen to the music and anything that like comes to my head, like what colors come into my brain as the song plays, like I'll just kind of like colors come into my head. I write yeah. down what colors it makes me feel um, and what certain lyrics pop out to me. And so I just kind of like do an analysis of the music. And then after that, I kind of have a consultation call with them and ask um, if they have anything that they want communicated with the work as well and uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from a photo background, how do you choose the visual style, aesthetics, and tone that like that that could go with that concept after you've spoken with mm-hmm. like the, the, the artists? Yeah. Where, where, where do you go next kind of thing? Yeah, so then it kind of gets into the art direction process, which I really love. But lately, um, my girlfriend and I have been together for like a year, a bit over a year yeah. now. Um, and she helps me a lot with that. She has a fashion background and is super, super into like music videos and music photography as well. Like she has like a library in her head that I just don't have. Yeah. Um, and so she helps me a lot with like art directing now and gathering mood. And so we'll kind of like collaborate on the art direction for stuff like that, which is That's really, really fun. Yeah, yeah, I lo- yeah, yeah. I love working with her on that kind of stuff, yeah. which I used to always do by myself, but like having a second eye and a second mind on it is mm-hmm. just always, always helpful. Yeah. And then you'd go back and forth. You'd be pitching your mood boards and your yes. sort of things with the artist, having a conversation. Yeah. And then eventually would they be okaying that sort of idea, that concept? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and honestly half the time I create a very loose concept. Right. Um, and you know, I'll decide what colors I want to work with, what kind of background and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just love to play once I actually get into the studio or wherever we are. I just love to play and go with the flow and see how things are feeling yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Going back to the mood board, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing like what you're, you were pulling as references before mm-hmm. and now with Nevi. What, what, what are y'all pulling together sometimes? Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool because she's a graphic designer. So yeah. when we work on a mood board together, she'll like design an entire like presentation basically right. it's so cool and she'll yeah. like write down everything we thought about um where with me before i would just like kind of send a gallery of images that i've pulled from pinterest or other photographers or artists that i follow yeah, yeah. and they're like okay this is the kind of vibe we want to go for which i still do with her but now she um just kind of does it and she loves doing it um, yeah yeah so yeah. and now it just like looks very clean and professional when she kind of puts it all together for me which that's is great so fun yeah <laughs> yeah and what kind of what kind of um Art are you inspired by? Are there some f- certain photographers, certain sort yeah. of things that you're really uh, looking at when you when you're trying to pull influences, references, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, Petra Collins has always just been a a, a big inspiration for me. Um, I, I just love how she creates a moment and captures it, and it's just like so dreamy, and you feel like you just get a piece of. A moment with her I don't, I don't know what it is I just mm-hmm. I've always been very drawn to her work yeah, yeah. um and uh, other than that I just follow a lot of photographers and artists and I feel like um I'm like constantly inspired by people that I follow yeah yeah are there different mediums that you that you go to like movies or like mm. books you were talking about earlier some well yesterday about I'm just thinking about mediums now but like the VHS uh, from the, the whole the Disney collection. Oh, we spoke yeah. about the, the, the Disney VHS collection. Yeah. I'm just thinking about different mediums now, but are there different things that you go to, whether you go to a, a, a gallery to get inspired or go to like, you know, a fashion show or something or like yeah. different things that you um, get inspired by? I love going through magazines. Yeah. Uh, like I have like lots of photos on my phone where I'll just be like looking at a magazine or a book in a coffee shop and like take pictures of what I like. Um, I also just like love to draw inspiration from every day and just like live living, yeah, yeah <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, and just being inspired by f- feelings as well yeah. and experiences. Um, I remember like going to a church and like seeing beautiful like stained glass and the light coming through that mm. just like being inspired by that and wanting to kind of recreate that with like a shoot as well. And just, yeah, I, don't yeah. Know, I just, just life. Yeah. Just life. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Now, after you've pitched a concept, okay, it's now ready to go in production. Has there ever been a time or a project that, okay, you pitched it, it's all good, it's good to go, but once you get there, it completely changes because the location changes or you saw something else on your way or mm -hmm. something happened that day and it had to change, like something dramatic happened that changed the entire concept of the shoot? Um... I don't know if I've gone in with, like, a strict plan in mind and right. had to completely change it. Right. I think I always go in with a loose plan. Yeah. And then sometimes that loose plan has completely changed as well. Like, mm -hmm. I'll go into a studio and, like, the lights that I thought were going to work or will be there, like, don't work right. or something like that. And then you just kind of have to change your course from there. Yeah. Or, like, the, the beaches shoot I did with range, I went in with, like, basically no plan. Um, it was just going into the studio, let's see what happens. Um, and I saw a spotlight and I grabbed that and then I put on my like red LED light and it ended up creating a very cool effect that I would not have planned out otherwise. So yeah, yeah. I just, I really love going in kind of blind into shoots and just working on intuition and um, with my subject and like how they're feeling that day too. Mm -hmm. And just kind of capturing what is given to me in that moment and just playing. I love to play. I think yeah, that's yeah. like a huge thing. Um, with my work is just like staying in touch with your inner child and just having fun with it and just playing. I think it's really important. Yeah. Do you think that intuition and like taste yes. is something that you have to develop mm -hmm. through like, you know, doing it over and over and over again? Like, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I think that building taste has been like one of the most important parts of building my career. I spent, mm -hmm. I think that summer after OCAD, um, yeah, was really important for me. I was listening to a podcast um, by Andy J. Pizza. Uh, what's it called? The Creative. The Creative something. I can, okay, I could look yeah, it up. we'll find it. Yeah, I'll find it. Um, and there, he has like many episodes about finding your taste and um, playing with creative freedom. And um, yeah, I think it's really really important. And I played with so many different things for a long time. I'm still playing with it for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think always being open to different tastes and styles um, is really helpful too. Yeah. Great. Can you take us through like your day to day um, on, let's say a shoot day. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. let's go through a shoot day. What are you doing on a shoot day? And then we'll go to uh, on the road day. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> um, on a shoot day at home, um, wake up, probably around 10 or 11, have my coffee. Yeah. And then I kind of review um, everything that I want to be doing, the mood board, things like that, make sure all my stuff is charged, um, make sure all my bags are packed. I usually do that the night before, mm -hmm. same with everything being charged. Um, and then I, it depends on what time the shoot is, but um, let's say it's an afternoon, head down to the yeah. shoot, do the shoot. Um, and as soon as it's over, I go home, plug in that SD card and I <laughs> just get so excited and I just start <laughs> calling through the images, making my selects. Mm -hmm. And then I will be up pretty late at home, just like watching movies and TV shows. And I like to edit like as soon as I can, cause I still have like the fresh eyes and the yes, excitement yeah. and the adrenaline. I get so much adrenaline from shooting. Like when I have a good shoot, I am just like vibrating like it's it's such a good feeling um and i just like race home to start doing it right away yeah yeah and uh yeah i'll just like stay up late editing and send some like sneak peeks and then mm. work on it like more and more through like the rest of the week but, yeah yeah and typically would there be a quick turnaround or is that just on the road uh, i usually have like a two-week turnaround for okay. more like studio shoots because yeah. i really love to play with my colors and my editing and and in post um, mm -hmm. so i usually live leave more time for that where on tour you need everything by the next day because you want everyone that was at that show to see it and yes yeah, yeah it's much it's much different for sure yeah, yeah totally yeah what about a day-to-day -day on the tour end of things day-to-day -day on tour <laughs> very different very different um yeah at home it's like a bit slower pace and I can yeah. take my own time but tour you know it's it's wake up check how the tiktok's doing mm -hmm. um make a tiktok to post in the afternoon and then it's um, meet and greet. So take photos at meet and greet, send yep. off those photos, and then have some, like, dinner. Obviously, have lunch before. And um, then before the show, taking photos of the girls, mm -hmm. uh, individuals and group photos. And then I also, like, get some footage for day in the life videos and 
take photos during the show and kind of like wind down, pack our things up, um, get on the bus and just edit till <laughs> very, very late. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, uh, it takes a while. <laughs> a couple nights ago, we were not to get too into it, but it was a pretty crazy night. Um, and you were up till what, like seven or eight to eight yeah. to edit. To edit, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, I think part of that is because, like, you know, I'm having this crazy, unique experience that not many people get to have. And, like, sure, I could just go straight into editing as soon as the show is done. But, like, I'm friends with the girls. The crew yeah. is, like, so great. Like, I want to enjoy my time as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I would rather – I'm a night owl anyway. I would rather stay up late and, like, enjoy myself um, and really soak it all in than, than fall asleep at a normal time. Totally. What are some of the challenges that you're facing currently? Um, sure, maybe on the road, but also like at home. Just like general, like this is like questions for the listeners. You know, yeah. what, are, what are some of the challenges yeah. that the photographers face and how are you sort of tackling those and, and um, coming up with solutions to those? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the bigger challenges is like wanting to enjoy all your time, but like needing to get edit editing done. Like once the show is over, yeah, everyone else for the most part is done with their job. But that's like just when the work is starting for me. Yeah. Um, and so learning to balance that and balance my schedule has been the tricky part. I think I've started to get a hang of it other than this past week. But this week has been an exceptional circumstance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think on top of it, like running the TikTok as well just like adds another pressure to it because making TikToks doesn't it, – it, it's not exactly quick. Yeah, um, it does take time too. So, yeah, I just doing a, a lot of editing. That's uh, time management has been a challenge. Um, and I mean, other than that, it's been it's good. It's, it's pretty chill. It's pretty chill. Okay, it's like kind of what I kind of what ex was I bleh, what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. um, I was expecting the late nights. I was yeah, ready yeah, for yeah. it. I was ready for the grind. And, yeah, yeah, that's great. Any tips for people who want to start shooting? Just generally. Just, just generally. Like, just generally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have people that ask me how to get into concert photography specifically. Yes, I yeah. get that question a lot. Um, I get that question a lot, which uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, part of me feels like I stumbled into it, but part of me feels like it's kind of been there all along and I yeah. just didn't know it. Um, like when I'd be dating people in the past, I've dated a lot of musicians mm -hmm. and uh, I would go to their shows and take photos at their shows um, just because. And um, I, I mean, I think that that is just how you start. You just start creating the images you want to create and you reach out to people and you ask to work together and it's a lot of collaboration. And I think the great part of photography from a business sense is your work is getting posted whenever you make it, which yes. is, which is where like when I started getting back into photography, I was like, I just want to shoot with as many people as possible mm -hmm. because that just like gets your name out so fast and that works really well. So just yeah, like yeah, yeah. keep uh, it's so annoying, but, like, keep going. And, I mean, another thing that I always tell people is you'd be surprised by how far being nice and being good to work with will get you. Yep. It yeah. will get you so far just to be a nice person and good to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have, that have listened to the podcast come up to me at, at gigs, at venues or whatever, and they recognize for the me for the for the podcast yeah. because all their friends or some of their friends have been on the podcast and something I repeat all the time and, and something sometimes it's said to me is the famous thing is don't be an asshole is yes. what I say all the time yes exactly which is that. the biggest thing for me it's the biggest thing yep me too because your, rep your reputation is everything and um it gets passed around so quickly oh yeah especially like especially just in Toronto mm -hmm. like we're, we're um, um, there are many more people than just Toronto people that are listening to this podcast, but especially in your community, like that word will get passed around almost instantly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've definitely learned that. And I feel like, um, I, I came out like almost two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, a little under two years ago. Um, and I find that like a being in a niche art community in Toronto, it feels like a small town, but then you get into the queer niche art community yes. and it gets even smaller. Sure. <laughs> and so name gets again, like pass around very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think being a, a nice person has really helped me in not being an asshole because I've gotten, um, like, yes, of course, social media has helped me a lot. I have, like, a 
decent following and people share my work a lot. Um, but I think most of the big gigs that I've gotten have been through word of mouth through people who have worked with me before and can yeah. vouch for me. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the queer community. How has um, being part of that community be like played a part in your professional development? Oh my God. So, like so, so much. Yeah. So much. It's actually, it's wild. Um, I, I think there's just like something about the queer community. Like we all just want to see each other win and yeah. support each other. Um, and so when you see a good person like really working hard to do something, people really uplift you. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've, I've worked so many like queer events in the past like few years, like queer events is like kind of like how I got my name out there. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. cause I'd be shooting a lot of events and then people will like start to recognize me. And I think that's like a, how I made a name of myself largely, which yeah, is yeah. really sweet. I, I owe a lot to the Toronto your community specifically. Yeah, that's great. We went out the other night. Shout out to the three dollar bill. Yes. If you're listening, if you even if you're not listening, go everybody. Please, a new, new, new queer bar. Yeah. Um, run by three queer people. Um, one of which would run an event called Queer Wine Night, which I've shot for for mm -hmm. the past like two years or so. Uh, amazing place. They're amazing people. Yeah. Gotta go. Three dollar bill. Queen West, close to Ronsi, mm -hmm. Ronsi's Vales in Toronto. Uh, I don't know the exact location, but. Right West End, there. Toronto. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, last question of this topic, uh, this section. If you had to restart your journey with the knowledge that you have now, what would you do? What would you do differently? Hmm. If you would do anything differently. Yeah. I don't know if I would do much differently in terms of my journey. I would have gone on <laughs> meds earlier in university. Sure. Probably. There you go. To like help me deal with all of that. Cause once I did, that helped so much. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would change much. It was, I if more than anything, I wish I could just like go back and hug early twenties Meg and just be like, it's gonna be okay. Mm. Trust me, because I really, I really gave up for a while. It was really, really tough. Um, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and um, so it it feels really good to be where I am now because you know, even just five years ago. I would not have expected to be here. And I just, I just wish I could like hug myself and be like, okay, you're going to do it. All the hard work will be worth it. I know you're tired. It's going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're back, everybody. <laughs> 42nd episode of the Cloud Machine Podcast with Meg Moon. We've been talking about photography, um, just generally creative concept, um, doing the whole uh, pitching with to artists, the concept, the day to day, all that stuff. Now, I want to talk specifically about the beaches and social media because we're on the Blame My Ex tour. We're currently in Thunder Bay, oh, Ontario. Yeah. The Great Thunder Bay. The Great Thunder Bay. Um, <laughs> I just mentioned it. We were we spoke a couple nights ago at Three Dollar Bill again. Another shout out about your success and about the journey you've been through on the professional side of things. This episode is called. Becoming a professional photographer. Um, Nevi was also there, your champion. Uh, yes. It was emo. It was emo. We were having an emo night. So emo. Uh, <laughs> after a couple of drinks, yeah. uh, my, may I add. Um, but we were talking about specifically your success. And you said, before my success in January of this year, you said specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you define success? And what was that? What was January? What was the pivotal moment where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm like, this is like a happy thing. Yeah. I'm like this. I'm, I'm feeling good about where I'm going now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if January is when I uh, realized I had found my personal version of success. Yeah. I think January was the the scariest moment, and it was the pivotal moment because that's when I sure. quit my job and started freelancing for the first time. There you go. Um, and I. I felt ready, but obviously that's really scary, especially mm -hmm. living in Toronto. Toronto's very expensive. Yep. So it's just like, it's all up to me, uh, which is nuts. Um, and then, yeah, the beaches reached out, I think two weeks after I started freelancing with no idea that that was going to happen, um, which was very exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of defining success, I mean, like I said, from a young age, I've wanted to run my own show. I wanted to do my own thing and in the creative world, whatever that may have been. And 
I mean, I'm I'm here and I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing that I wanted to do since I was a little little child. <laughs> um, I'm I'm happy. I have a great partner. Yeah. Um, I love all my friends. I have a great community around me. Um, I'm doing what I want to do, and I know that I worked incredibly hard to get there. So it's incredibly satisfying. And I know that there's so. The road is so, so long. There's so much farther to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> There's a lot of road to go on in the next couple of days, too. Uh, that, yep, oh, that, too. Oh, my goodness. Woo. Um, but, yeah, just it, it just feels really good to just yeah. now be doing the thing that I've set out to do my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I've been working for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. But we did. You mentioned, well, congrats, by the way, first Thank of you. all. You mentioned Avril Lavigne's show uh, with the Beaches. You said last year. Was that 2022? I don't know. I wasn't with them when they were touring with Avril. Okay, but you were shooting the show. You said? I was shooting Avril's show as a child. <laughs> when I went. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay, okay. When I like Sorry. went to her show. That was my first yes, show. Okay. And I took my little camera. Sorry, and I was yeah. like front row taking pictures right, right. of her. Sorry, I misheard. Yeah. I thought I thought you were saying that you 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 did the Avril show and now you're taking pictures at the Avril show no, at no, the no. beaches. Oh, I wish. Okay, so okay, close, okay, so okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um so okay, starting in January, what was the first thing? I want to talk about the early days of the beaches and mm-hmm. now with the beaches. Yep. I know it's it's only been like 8 months, but yeah. but what have been like the biggest differences for you in from January to now? Yeah, I mean, I think I walked into it with a lot of imposter syndrome, first sure. of all. Because, I mean, I've known of the beaches for a while. I've been in Toronto. I've been in the music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a battle for sure. And on top of it, the first thing they hired me for was TikTok. I've never done TikTok as a, as a job. Like, right, I, right, right. I have my own account, and my own account has done well. Um, and that's, like, kind of how a lot of people have found me and know who I am. Um, so, yeah, I definitely walked into it, obviously, being like, I'm... So, is so excited, but I did a lot of research on social media management and things like that. Um, yeah. And then um, the photo stuff kind of came later because they needed someone for that. And they're like, so do you do concert photography? And I'm like, you bet I do. And called up my friend Lena, who is playing for Ruby Waters that week. And I was yes. like, can I get a photo pass so I can show them that I can do this? And uh, I did. And they were great. And they loved them. So, <laughs> yeah. Worked out. That's great. Um now, fast forwarding to to now over the over the last month, the Blame My Ex tour, which for the girls has been the biggest tour so far, success with mm-hmm. Blame Brett, um, with the record, um, which if you haven't heard the record, people listening, please I implore okay. you, it's very good, so good, and I was a huge fan of the record before I even started working on it, so um, yeah, please go check it out. Um, but what have been like the highlights and the lowlights for you of, of the tour so far? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, sorry, kind of going back to the last question of yeah. the beginning to the end. I didn't really finish that. No, no. Yeah. Um, I, I remember going to the studio and listening to their new album for the first time and they like sent me the link to it and I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like I've listened to Beach's stuff before, but I was yeah. like, this is, this is going to go somewhere. Like the, it, it just like had this new energy to it and it was so good um and to like go from that in the beginning to like now where we all are now is it's just been insane Mm -hmm. i feel like i've been with them a lot longer than i have right um and then i would say like the highlights of that um definitely touring um is is just so much fun i love it yeah it's not for everyone but it's definitely for me i love it um obviously when things started to go viral um i think i think when i joined the girls um to do TikTok in January, I think I want to say they were at like 40,000 TikTok followers and now we're at 200 and two, two, no, 220 at 120, 120, no, they're 120. Okay. okay. Something like (laughs) that. Um, so that, that's been crazy just to see that Mm -hmm. explode like that when blame Brent went viral. Um, that was just incredibly exciting for all of us. Um, and I also think addressing the imposter syndrome along the way, just having so many people be like, you're doing such a good job. And like people in the industry that I've never met before, just being like, what you're doing is working like so well, like congratulations. And to like go be going into this job, having never done it before. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously I want to do the best I can possibly do. And when I met them, um, I had like known Leandra a bit before and I had met them before, but I didn't know them very well as like friends. Right. Um, so when I got into the studio and got to know them a lot better as people, I was like, the world needs to know. Yeah. <laughs> they need to know that these people are so interesting and so sweet and they have so much more to offer on top of their incredible music. Yeah, um, yeah. Funny, charismatic. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. They've, yeah. they've got it all. They really do, yeah. um, which has made my job easy. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure. Yeah. And they want to do social media, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're That's open the whole to thing. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, being a road photographer, what's your flow in regards to being a road photographer? Mm-hmm. Um do you like the flow of being on almost all the time? Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I really don't think it's made for everyone, but I love it. Like, I was the person in high school, like, I, my girlfriend wears my high school letter jacket all the time, and it's just, like, packed with all the activities I did. I did every activity I could get my hands on, I think, because I, like, probably wasn't very mentally well, and I yeah. definitely, like, yeah. <laughs> fill my time with things to do, so I just, like, didn't have to, like, sit with everything. Mm. Um I've always been that way. So I think having like a crazy schedule is always how I've gone through life. Yeah. Um, so it really is, I, I, my brain feels very ready for it. And I definitely just take it kind of day by day. Like I don't really look at master tour very often other than like the things I really need to know about. Yeah. Like in like, yeah, I just kind of take it day by day, wake yeah. up and go with the flow. You have you to say. as yeah. well. Like, yeah, even as a musician or as a tech, like yes you have to go day by day because there's so many things to think about and it's so detail oriented all the time and it's like okay and and we have to be very like um there's yeah we're responsible for a lot of things yeah yeah and you have to be able to go with the flow and like if you don't have a certain calmness or understanding when things go wrong i think that would be really hard um yeah so I'm I'm very glad that I'm a very go with the flow person and love the chaos and thrive off of the chaos of everything going around me. It just gives me more energy totally. to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What were you expecting going in? I had a I had a lot of conversations um, before this with some photographers. I talked to Becca and I talked to a photographer called Lindsay Blaine to ask them like advice and they're like it's going to be a marathon. Yeah, be ready for that. And I was and I've done like a mini tour with them. I did two weeks um, in the kind of like west south states uh, back in the spring, and that was mm. just like sprinter van hotel vibe. Yeah. Um, so it was like a little bit more chill, um, and it was I think just James and yeah, it was it was pretty chill. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. No, no, it's fine. Just like so, you, so you had the you had a little bit of experience with them. You've taught you had talked to some photographer friends, so you had a little bit of an idea there. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So no, I had I had a good idea of what it was going to be like going yeah. into it, and I know that like my brain is built for this that totally. kind of stuff, and yeah. so um, I knew it'd be a lot to adjust to initially, uh, and it was. It took I think my brain a little bit to adjust to, and I got sick. I think just like not sleeping a lot and. Yeah, uh, you know the shock of it all really put my body down for a little bit, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I got used to it, and now I feel like I'm just thriving. I, yeah. I love it. Any tips? Tips? Um, uh, I think you just got to be ready to deal with whatever's thrown at you. Yeah, because like even on top of just getting all your deliverables done by noon the next day, like we've gotten. Uh, like random partnerships and have had to create content between all of this with that. And I've had to edit so many other separate things on top of just the tour stuff. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think you just got to be ready for whatever gets thrown at you. Um, Time management thing. Time management. Yeah. yeah, I get kind of like used to the schedule. Um, And also just like taking moments to step back and just soak it all in. And, like, especially when you're, like, tired and exhausted, like, you just want to be, like, oh, my God, like, what am I doing? Like, at the beginning, especially when I was sick, I was, like, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. This is, this is so exhausting. Um, sure. But now that I'm not ill, I'm very much just enjoying it. But I think you really got to take um, a step back and just appreciate it every once in a while. Yeah. 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 Our moment the other night, for the people that may, may have saw a picture or pictures of just – 
like us with Nevi hanging at, out just for even just a few minutes. Yeah. Like during loadout on the stage at Massey Hall. Yeah. Was just such a great moment because like those two days were so chaotic mm-hmm. and just having a second just on that stage. Yeah. Just like without really anybody there was so Yeah. And Nevi awesome. and I were like downstairs in like the green rooms and even though the green rooms were empty, I was like, I kind of want to like say bye to the stage and say and like see the like the load lowdown and everything so like yeah. we went up and uh it it was nice just kind of like getting to be on the stage at the end of those two absolutely insane days when there's like so many people downstairs celebrating yeah um and just like kind of taking a moment and looking around and being like wow yeah that just happened yeah, that's so nice <laughs> um going now into social media i know we also talked about it and i'm reading quickly now I say lots of recent success of the beaches can be related to their recent social media presence. And I know you've been a major part of that journey. Can you tell us a bit more about your role in their social media sort of journey? Yeah. Since January. Yeah, since January. Um, Yeah, so they hired me on basically to promote the new album. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, (laughs) there's so much to (laughs) it. There's so much. Uh, Like I said earlier, like I really wanted to highlight who they are as people like yeah. I my big thing going into it with them is I wanted it to feel authentic I don't think people like feeling like they're advertised to or being pushed content on right um and so I just wanted it to feel like it was them I don't want anyone to feel like there's someone behind the camera that they're like hiring to like do everything like I want to feel like it's just a piece of their lives yeah and you want to feel like you can watch them do all these things and just be a part of it and be a like a fly on the wall um, which is what I kind of try to do. And um, I think I getting along with all of them in different ways really helps me a lot. Yeah. Too, because um, I find that they obviously are just a lot more comfortable around me and, like, in front of the camera can just, like, be themselves. Like, so many of our videos that have gone, like, kind of viral have just been me, like, recording as they're just, like, being completely themselves. Right, right, right. Um, and saying funny things and just being <laughs> charismatic. Um and yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I got to like go through TikTok and learn the trends of that week and use mm. them while they're still hot. And, uh, the algorithm is definitely a thing. That's its own monster. Um, y- yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy job. I, I remember my sister in like 2020, like bullying me into getting TikTok being like, you don't have TikTok. What's wrong yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to get TikTok. And then I got it and I started playing with it. And then whatever I was doing was working. I think I just like kind of get people to an extent and what they like want to see. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think just like going at it from like a fly on the wall perspective and just like trying to get those like real moments of them. um, Because I really want people to see how lovely they are. And I think having a person behind the camera promoting you who is just excited about your success as you are is definitely important <laughs> and as the fans too yeah like, like you're just as excited for their success your success and their success as the fans are as well oh yeah like you you have that fan eye as well oh definitely you know it's yeah and it's, and it's it's fantastic um how do you manage expectations um with socials in mm-hmm. regards to their expectations and the fans expectations as well mm. um yeah yeah um i think with their expectations in terms of like it like doing well, we we call it TikTok jail when the algorithm is not on our side. Yeah. We'll be like, oh, we're in TikTok jail, we're in TikTok jail. Um, but that's just like kind of how TikTok works. It mm-hmm. kind of like pulls you down. So you kind of get a little scared and you're like, I need to make more content, I need to do more things. And then it'll just like explode the next week and then everything gets so many views. And yeah, so yeah. like you kind of have to remind them that that's just like how it works and it never yes. feels good when you're in TikTok jail, but that's literally just how the app works, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and then, like, with fans and stuff, like, fans will, like, ask questions in the comments or, like, uh, I read, like, all the comments and try to really pay attention to, like, what people want to see. Um, and I think that helps a lot, too. So, like, I reply to a lot of comments with, right. and, like, have the girls answer questions or, like, show the song that they're asking about, um, which makes them feel, like, part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, any tips on working with a band that has four different... <sighs> personalities that all that need to get highlighted because they're a band yeah. and now in 2023 even just on the music side of things we, we are seeing less and less bands mm-hmm. 
that are successful. You see now a lot of artists are successful, and most of the time it's that one artist that is just on TikTok, on Instagram, yeah. whatever it is. How are any tips on working with a band that has four different members, four very different very personalities different as well? Personalities yeah. for sure. Um, but I think that's what I love about them. <laughs> like I don't just have like one person to work with. I mm -hmm. have like four different people I can use for different trends. So if one person doesn't fit a trend, one of them will be able to fit it, or one of their situations will be able to fit it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like both a challenge. And definitely a pro at the same time because you have four times as much personality to work with. Um, but, um, yeah, I think getting to know each person individually as they are is super important um, so you can, like, highlight them as they are yeah. in the most real way. Um, I, I, I think that's really just, like, the key of it. We're back. Honestly, everybody hates the, uh, the the vinyl transition. So you know what? It might change everybody. So for those who are listening, for those who made it to the Dream Fest game, uh, you might get yeah. That might be a first time I say ever say that. I love the record scratch. I kind of like it. I don't know. Well, okay. It's it's, like, it's iconic. <laughs> Two guests ago, Katie Tupper did not like the, the the record scratch. Very apparent. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. Um, we're back. Last segment of the pod, the We're Dream back. Fest game. We are back. We are um, back. With Meg Moon. Of course, the Dream Fest game, for those who don't know what the Dream Fest game is, is uh, I get to, it, myself and the listener gets to know more about um, the guest in regards to what they would want to um, program at a festival. I asked them who would headline the festival. This is the, like, their Dream Festival. So who would headline the festival? Who would be their second headliner? The opener where the festival had happened, when it would happen, the attendance of the festival. Is it a small festival? Is it a massive festival? And if they were the creative director of the festival, how would they put their mark on it? Um, Meg, let's start with um, where would the festival be? Okay, I think I would do it in a desert. I okay. know the weather. I'm not, I'm not thinking about the weather. I'm thinking visuals. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. I mean, I also love heat, so I don't know. I yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I just love the visuals of a desert, and yeah. especially, like, at sunset. Um, mm. I just, it, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. That's where I would do it. What kind of desert? Would it be, like, an American, like, a, like a American. American desert? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, Nevada, Utah. Oh, yeah. Like, just flat, like, yeah. white sand with, like, the really beautiful kind of green, blue, whatever the plants are that are in there and cactuses and very cool yeah. very cool when would it be as well mm, probably late summer oh Definitely yeah not in like the heat of it we don't need heat strokes we don't need that no um yeah so you think in august probably. september probably yeah very popular answer for the dream fest uh game by the way oh, yeah August September. Huh. We love a, uh, we love a late summer. I just love late summer. Me too. So I, good. I think personally, I think early September is like one of the best parts of the yeah, year. Yeah, I feel like everyone's trying to just like grasp the last bit of summer and yeah. heat, so everyone just goes like extra hard. Yeah, yeah. So sick. Um, is it a big festival or is it a small festival? What's the attendance? I think um, maybe like seven thousand. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, helped do social media for lavender wild fest in toronto recently and i think that was like five thousand um I th yeah so i think a little bit bigger than that and in a desert with like lots of things to do very fun. cool yeah. if you're the creative director of the festival how would you put your own mm -hmm. mark on it your own spin yeah i would want it to be very visually beautiful and stimulating mm -hmm. if this you know this is dream dream festival i don't have a budget no no i <laughs> would get so many florals and plants in there like i think having like you know the the starkness of the desert um and then just having like so many lush plants to contrast that i think it would just be so magical and then you know getting some like disco balls and cool lights in there yeah, but, yeah. Like, i think having a stage like covered in like beautiful plants and just creating this like otherworldly experience to you know kind of escape reality because that's what a festival is right yeah yeah of course and i think just like creating just like a, a different world that's like so magical would be so fun very cool <laughs> <laughs> um 
going to the music part of it, who would open your night? I think I would have Mitski open. Yes. I really love Mitski, and I think, like, with the visuals I have in mind, she would just, like, start that off so beautifully, Mm -hmm. you know, just get everyone, like, warmed up, and, yeah, I think it'd be great. That's amazing. Second opener, or second headliner, rather? I I can't decide. I have, like, three in mind. Um, Okay. That I can't decide the order of first or second. I... um, think Tame Impala yeah. would be amazing out there yeah. in a desert too with like florals and amazing lights and disco balls and stuff. Yeah, that's Tame great. Impala. Um, and then I think, I don't know if I'd want to end with them, but uh, Tyler, the creator, I think he would like get the crowd going after Mitski or to end with um, and or Cage the Elephant. I just love <laughs> <the> Elephant. <laughs> okay, so we got three headliners, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> All three great uh Great headliners with Mitski opening is good. It is fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go to this festival. Thank you. It's amazing. I thought about it after I took my shower a little <laughs> bit ago, and I was like, "Have you have no idea who I would pick?" I just listened to so much random stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I just kind of like thought about like the ones I consistently have listened to over the years, and yeah. put that with the I knew visually what I wanted. Yeah, and ha- just kind of. Yeah. Have you seen any of these people in in, in like live? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, that's great. Yeah. These are all people like I really, really, really want to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Which is why it's my dream festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well that's how we that's how we end the, the, the podcast. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of I've had such a great time. I mean, we've had great conversations all to we it. Have. I was so excited for this. Yes. Yep. Uh it was great to know more about how you grew up. Um, your creative process, uh, your experience on the road with, with, with the beaches and the social media stuff, all that stuff. It's been really great. I learned a lot of stuff. I hope the listener has also learned a lot of stuff. Me too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) make sure to check Meg out uh, at Meg underscore moon on IG. That's me. Uh, what's your TikTok? TikTok is Meg underscore moon 27. There you go on TikTok. In your website, it's megmoonstudio.com. Not studios, I made that mistake. It's megmoonstudio, singular.com. I also want to thank those who have been listening to and watching the Cloud Machine Podcast. If you're not watching the Cloud Machine Podcast, there's a YouTube uh, channel full of the, uh, with all the episodes. Uh, It's all, that has all the video. Check it out. Um, We like to keep this platform as interactive uh, as it can. So please comment on socials, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. We'd love to answer questions about the industry. It, it's been mostly about the music industry, but I'd love to also have guests that are more dabbling in other creative worlds, um, you know, because they all intersect at the end of the day. Um, please don't forget to, of course, like, comment, subscribe, do the whole thing. Um, and as always, stay safe and... Um, We'll see you next week. Any any last comments? Any last uh, any last words? Matt is the best. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. Wow. <laughs> I did not uh, want to end it like that, but we will. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>